it's now time for the Beard Course Racecast. Seven furlongs and 184 feet of horse racing conversation. Here's your host, the bearded handicapper, Jeff Riggs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first installment of the Beard Course Racecast with Jeff Riggs, an extension of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. Um, on the Beard Course, I'll be joined by some of my Auxiliary Gate co-hosts and guests from the racing world to dive into some different topics, specifically fairgrounds racing over the winter and into the spring. With a major day of racing Saturday that could produce the next Kentucky Derby or Oaks winner, we thought this was the perfect time to kick off this series. So uh, please like, subscribe, follow, favorite, whatever the option is on your preferred listening platform to stay up to date on all the, the goings on. Uh, tonight, I am fortunate enough to be joined by a familiar voice in our space in Alan Schneider. Alan, how's it going tonight? Hey, my man. Thanks for taking over as we expand the Auxiliary Gate universe, I guess, and so I, a lot of the Marvel universe, right? Where right. you you uh, you try to branch out and do some other things, maybe try to bring in that lovable character as a co as a sidekick early on to kick off things. And since we don't have one of those, like a Captain America or somebody like that, you get me. So uh, <laughs> hey, hopefully that'll even, work. Even for better, you. even better in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not exactly Iron Man or the Hulk. I can tell you that. <laughs> not even Thanos. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I think this should be fun, you know, especially for the winter time looking into looking into fairgrounds and everything. Um I've kind of fallen in love with the place. You know, our our mm-hmm. friend Joe Christofek winters down there. So that he's kind of the one that piqued my interest and the more I've gotten into it, the more people I've met in that community, the more I've fallen in love with it. So and they also they offer an elite racing product over the winter, you know, whenever Whenever Churchill and Keeneland and them aren't running us us in Kentucky, those are a lot of the horses end up there and even the Kentucky Derby and Oaks road has really run through New Orleans here in the past few years. So it's exciting things going on there. It's an, it's an obvious extension. You're the one who loves the product. I mean, I love the product too. Cece loves the product. Brandon loves the product, but you're, you're our go-to guy on that. And with, with guys like Joe down there and some of the great people like Kevin or the guy, Chad, who we're going to have on today. Hell, we can't forget, uh, Michelle, Michelle cleans up down there. Yeah. Michelle Lovell cleans up down there and stuff. So you're damn right. We love the fairgrounds and stuff. And, Sometimes when those big races come along, I just want to change my last name to Schneidero, like S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-E-A-U-X. <laughs> right. right. For now, I'll keep it the German way. But, yeah, we, we do enjoy the fairgrounds, and you're, you're the perfect uh, person to uh, host this arm of this uh, extension we have. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it for sure. And, you know, there's a, there's a big day coming up on Saturday with the, with the road to the Derby with the LeCompte and the, and the Silver Bullet Day. And we have a, a special guest lined up tonight to, to go over the race card and talk fairgrounds a little bit. So, all right, let's go ahead and introduce our special guest. I can't think of anyone better to talk fairgrounds and the big road to the Kentucky Derby Day card on Saturday than this man. Uh, fans of Louisiana racing definitely know the name. Fans outside of Louisiana also probably know the name. He hosted the Fairgrounds Insider podcast and makes frequent appearances alongside Joe Kay and Kevin Kilroy on the TV broadcast. He's also an owner and handicapper, and he's been tapped into the Louisiana racing scene for many years. So we are very excited to be joined this evening by Chad Shexnader. Chad, how's it going, man? What's up, guys? Good to be here, man. Good to hear you guys' voices, and uh, excited to talk about this weekend at the fairgrounds. Absolutely. It's an awesome car, and we're definitely fortunate to get you on. I know you're a busy man. Um, so for those who you know aren't as familiar with you, can you get, just give a little background on you and what got you into horse racing? 
Yeah, so I got um I got into horse racing. I didn't really do much of it as a kid. Um, my introduction to the game actually came um like many New Orleanians down here in the late '80s when Risen Star was making his run. Um, I didn't know which end the horse ate out of until Risen Star came around. So he was kind of the first big uh horse that captured. You know, everybody you talk to that's into the game has that one horse they really followed and got brought into the game kind of with, and, and that was Risen Star for me. And um, you know, I was a teenage kid at the time and there, you know, he was all over the news and it was Ronnie Lamarck and Louis Roussel and this place called the fairgrounds where this horse raced and, um, just the whole, it seems like it was, it seems like to me as a kid, he he was on TV all the time. And I know it was just probably that little derby, probably those six months that he was being talked about in the city. But, um, that was kind of my first, you know, inclination to it and in high school by, um, my high school that I went to, um, Holy Cross wasn't very far away from the fairgrounds. We used to have to drive past there to go to city park for practices and stuff like that. So I kind of knew it was there. Um, didn't really get the gaming and all that, you know, get gambling, um, on horses until after college though. I went to college out in Lafayette and, um, that was where Evangeline Downs was. Spent a couple of, you know, nights in the summertime out at Evangeline just messing around. And after I graduated college, um, they had a job opening in the press box to move back home to the fairgrounds. And I was in publicity, graduated communications. I was like, man, that'd be great to work at the track. That sounds like a fun deal. So yeah. started putting the skins on the wall from there, you know, worked in the press box for about three or four years when the Krantz owned the track before Churchill um, bought it and uh, just made friends. And then a lot of those guys I worked with become lifelong friends and um, great handicappers learn from a lot of, a lot of old, older guys that were down there and, um, you can't beat the personalities around the racetrack, you guys know. And, um, you know, those older guys kind of took me under the wing and, and, and taught me a lot of stuff and, you know, just came, became captured in the game. And then 25 years later, look, still into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you kind of already touched on it a little bit, but just in my, in my one visit down there, just that sense of community, you know, around the track is pretty incredible. You know, everybody really, they, they compete and, you know, even in jobs, you know, they're competing for jobs, but, everybody's just one family down there and uh you know anybody would give you the shirt off their back if you needed it and it's just a really cool vibe down there uh what's your what's your very favorite thing about fairgrounds race course oh man that's a tough one um you know that the track in itself i mean just one thing i well there's a lot of I, I, I like about the track you know especially now having kids i get to bring my sons out there and, and really enjoy it like you said there's a sense of pride and commitment but something that's you know, kind of built into, you know, it's almost like we're allowed to bash the fairgrounds, but if somebody else bashes them, we jump. Right. Like, kind of like, you know, you can pick on your own brother and you can beat him up, but if somebody else comes trying to beat him up, then we got to fight, you know? So yeah, I, I, I feel that way about the fairgrounds a little bit. Um, you know, it's a sense of pride for us down here. It's our track and um, the history of the place is just incredible. It's been on the same piece of land for 140 years now. Um, the one thing on the backside that, you know, going to a bunch of tracks, you realize it, but you know, fairgrounds is all cement on the backside. <laughs> you hit the horses, it's all clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack. Yeah. the horses, and when you go to places like Saratoga and Keene, like they walk around on beautiful grass and the pathways and all this. And I, right. I, I, wish, I wish there was more, uh, I wish there was more grass and dirt back there than all that concrete. But, um, yeah, just the, the way it's always been, always been here. But, um, no, I think it's just a sense of pride, man. Just the track itself, um, being there as long as it has and just thinking about the history, um, 
that's going through that place. And, you know, the fire was a big deal back in the early nineties. I remember that, yeah. um, yeah. really, I mean, everybody thought that was it, you know, it was game over, you know, that, that <laughs> backgrounds wouldn't survive. And the Kranz family, um, really I mean, single-handedly basically brought that thing back and, um, and it's thriving now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, putting on a great product and even this, this meet right now so far has been really entertaining. I thought we've had really good racing. Um, you know, Shane Wilson and Jose Guerrero, they've kind of really come out of the gates quickly, started hot, have leads in the jockey trainer, uh, categories. And, um, uh, you know, our boy J Love, he's been making a really nice impression there too. I don't know that anybody's really riding better than him right now. Him and, uh, Jaime Torres. You know, the Churchill people, they'll be familiar with him, but he's been doing very well as well. Uh, is there anything in this meet that has really caught your eye uh, specifically that you're you're following or anybody that's that's heating up or for people to look out for, you know, outside of just this weekend? Well, I could tell you that the, the jump that Torres has made um, from the first two weeks he was here till now is mm-hmm. probably the biggest astronomical jump I've seen by a jockey starting out here make because – he had no idea what the finish line was when he first got here. I mean, he was right. early. he was moving late. It took him probably a good 50 mounts before he started to figure things out. Um, and it's different here, man. Look, we got a long, long stretch um, here at the fairgrounds. It's probably the longest in the country now. And um, it makes for, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty unforgiving if you move too fast and you turn for home and it's still a long way to go. But yeah. another thing that I really like about it is it really allows horses who may have messed up or got in trouble, you know, prior during the race, they could correct themselves and still have a long stretch to make up and, and still prove that they're the best horse in the race. And I kind of like that part about our, our track, too. Um, you know, you put go to places with short stretches, you run into a little bit of trouble, you turn for home, you're done. You don't have time to make it up. But here, you usually, you know, you have time to make it up. So, um, you know, I like that about our track. But Tour has made a huge jump, man. Like, he knows – He's good on turf and dirt both now. Um, but man, he was struggling there for a while. But man, it's like after Thanksgiving, it looks like about middle of December, things started to click for him. And, you know, he's been on some nice horses for Joe Sharp and some other trainers. And, um, and he's yeah. really, really impressed me now. Um, Shane Wilson's just, you know, Louisiana guy, old boy, um, that did it the hard way for a lot of years. And now he's got all the Evelyn Benoit horses from Britland stable. So he's got all 22 of her horses in his stable. And, you know, she breeds nice horses. She runs nice horses. They give them time. She's not in a rush. Um, so his horse is always fire. And it, it, I'm happy for Shane. You know, he's put a lot of, a lot of time and effort into this game and kind of did it the hard way at the Evangeline and Deltas and Louisiana Downs. And he was always that trainer at the fairgrounds that run a few, but you know, he was always that 5% trainer when he came down here. And now he's, right. he's, he's starting to show people that, you know, he can train a horse. He just needs to, he needs the horses to do it. And there's a lot of guys in the game like that, man. All he needs is opportunity to prove themselves. And yeah. um, so, so good for Shane. I'm happy for him. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a tough job for sure, being a trainer, as we saw with uh, Ron Fauché being the back-to-back leading trainer and then still stepping away from it just because, you know, it's it's hard to make ends meet in that in that kind of situation. But, um, yeah, it's pretty cool seeing, seeing Shane thrive. I haven't met Shane or Connor yet, but they, they seem like cool people, and hopefully I'll – Hopefully I'll get to meet them when I when I come down there this year. But, yeah, uh, but, yeah. Listen, don't, don't don't close the book on Ron Foshe not ever training a horse again. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think he he might have a little comeback in the cards? Don't close the book. He's a young man. I mean, he's not even I don't yeah. think he's forty years old yet. So you know, he wants to. He's got some kids. You know, he don't, he wants to be there for his kids. Like they're kind of teenage years, and 
Um, they're getting close to teenage years, and he wants to be there for them, which I completely understand. But, um, you oh, know, yeah. give him a few years. He, he, I don't think he's trained his last horse. That, that, that's my future book bet. Man, I'd love that. I, you got me excited there because I, I did get to meet Ron when I was down there, and he's one of my favorite people I met. He's a cool guy for sure. So I would love to see him back in the training game, 100%. Well, let's go ahead and uh, – transfer into the into the big Saturday card because we have a lot to talk about here. I mean, there's 13 races, including the, the Derby and Oaks preps. There's six stakes races, um, but there's also some intriguing maiden races as well. And Chad, I know you're my go-to guy when it comes to these youngsters in Louisiana. I know you're, you're tapped into the workouts. I know you're friends with Mikey D, who's the clocker in the morning line, odds maker, Mike Deliberto. Um, so before we dig into these these stakes races, is there anything that you want to talk about earlier in the card and these maiden races that you're excited about? Yeah, Mike and I talked um, yesterday, just kind of comparing comparing some stuff on some horses and what he's seen, and um, you know, just kind of he 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 comes to me a little bit for the pedigree stuff and who who's this one for because he don't really look at all that stuff. He's more you know he likes to see how they look on the track, which is his specialty and timing them and that kind of stuff and. He don't really get into the pedigrees too much, so we'll talk about that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I mean, that, that's, these maiden races, it's been funny, this meet. I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know, the good maiden special weight races have been really, really good. But there's been maiden special weight races that have been really, really average um, to be yeah. right. And, you know, it's just all over the place. Um, it, it's really just a coin flip on whether uh, what kind of race, if you got a first-time starter, you can end up in. You could end up in a really, really weak one. Or just one that's incredibly strong, and I think the ones this weekend fall into the latter. I think a lot of them would be a pretty pretty good races coming out of. But um, flipping through it, you know, I think that first one in the fifth race, the mile on the sixteenth, that's one for um, that's for three year old. Uh, I think it's the boys race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a race yeah. that if you look at it on paper, Hall of Fame's supposed to win. You know, Asmussen right. the right. horse Hall of Fame for fun. I mean, they obviously think this horse is the real deal, and he got a really good. Um, you know, he really got good experience first time out there at Churchill and he ran a decent number, was favored that day. Now he gets the Lasix. I think he's expected to win. Um, you know, the funny flame horse is interesting talking about our guy, Shane Wilson. This horse probably deserves not, he doesn't deserve to really be a maiden anymore. Those two efforts, um, back to back seconds really were tough beats. Um, he ran good enough to win both those races. It's just a matter of now. He's got the numbers. He's got the experience. Can he duplicate? You know, that's 70. I think I like a high 70s buyer. If he does that again, I mean, he's going to be right there. I can tell you a horse I'm, I'm not really um, going for is that Popweiser to have the search results. Uh, uh-huh. He's been out three times already from Catalano. You know, as a half the search results, this horse only gave, they only give 100,000 for. So that kind of tells you something right there. That horse may not be exactly what, uh, you know, like the, the family suggests. So I'm a little against him. I didn't like that last race hardly at all either. I mean, I uh, love Barry was on. He jumps off today too. Of course, has some speed, but doesn't seem to want to finish his races off. But people might see that half the search results and think, you know, on a big day, that horse might step up um, and do something. But I'm totally against that horse. I would mm-hmm. say the only other horse, um, talking to Mike about that horse night out that's toward, drawn toward the outside from Mike Stidham, um, yeah. you know, comes out of uh, – the only bad part about that is I don't think anybody out of that race from the fairgrounds, that was one of those main special ways that just wasn't, I don't think, very good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hadn't really produced anything. But this horse gets Lasix now. Um, I like the jockey change to Ben Curtis. You know, Mike Stidham was really employed this guy. This is another guy that kind of surprised me. He took He's another one that took a little while to get started, but now he's rattling off at about 17%. 
And um, he's drawing the likes of, you know, Amos is roading, Stidham's riding him. So he's getting into some of these bigger barns. And um, he's putting some good rides on some horses now. And I think um, that's a jockey change from Mitchell Murrow to Ben Curtis that I think is a little bit of an upgrade. So um, that was a rough trip. You know, Mitchell, that wasn't his his best effort last time on that horse. He got that horse in some trouble. And um, now the horse is drawn outside. He was drawn inside before. So he interests me a little bit um, being with that draw. And uh, we'll see what he can do. But some of the, the firsters are really, you know, Dallas is always tend to need, um, not Dallas, uh, Kenny McPeace at the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. I think that horse probably needs one. But, I mean, look at his works. He's worked, what, 39 furlongs probably since he's been here at the fairgrounds. I mean, right. What, the, right. What, what in the world's going on there? And those justifies, that, that's the only thing that really caught my eye about that horse was, being ju- and I, a justify colt and um and they just they just runners they just come out running and um they do. So yeah. i want to see i want to see what kind of action this horse takes on the board um before i can kind of do anything with him but you know mcpeak certainly giving this horse a lot of time in the mornings to get ready to uh to run here so we'll see what happens you know mcpeak's got a string down here for the first time in a while um and he's been kind of slow to get started so i don't know if this is the the a the a plus team or the a team here but his stakes were right seem to run pretty well. I just don't know much about these maidens. He tends to Mike tends to think they need a race um over the track before they fire their best shot. I, I kinda agree with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you made a good point too about, you know, those tote cues. I think everywhere those are important, but I think especially at the fairgrounds, you know, if a first time starter is really getting hammered, they're probably live. They may not win, but they're probably gonna run pretty well. Yeah, no time. doubt. I mean that that seems to be that seems to be the, the case over here. Um, and you know, those bigger barns, um, down here, they, they tend to, uh, they tend to bet. So, um, yeah, yeah. Watch, watch the board. Exactly. All right. Well, let's, let's start jumping into some stakes action here. Uh, one race prior to the one we were just discussing, race four is the, the Duncan Kenner stakes, which I think is a very, very intriguing race. There are only, what there's only seven horses in here, but I would not be shocked if any of these horses won. I would. I would. There's only <laughs> one in this one. Go would ahead. you? Okay. Okay, yeah. Alan. Tell tell us who you would be shocked about in here. Just might. It's it's it's, it's simple. It's just might. It's always just might for me. You know that. <laughs> so you'd be shocked if anyone but just might won. But of course, that's a bit of bias talking, right? This little. Bit but the horse may get the lead again all by himself or whatever. So yeah. I will defer yeah. to Mr. Chad and put my uh, bias for my friend aside for a moment. Go ahead, Chad. <laughs> well, look, see, that was a race where if it was a month before that, Hobby Torres probably don't win that race. He didn't know. Like, he didn't know how to <laughs> ride that turf course just like that. I mean, he went straight to the lead, was aggressive, and everybody else just kind of waited to see what would happen. And he took advantage of it, and, you know, boom, there goes Just Might, who's – you know, just might will dig in. He's tough to pass. You get if you, he's not one that may come flying and pass a bunch of horses to win, but he's a tough horse to pass and in lane and, and he loves it down here. And Michelle had him, had him ready and, um, he likes that turf for So I don't know. I think his, his hands kind of forced again. The rail's going to be down. Oh, so yeah. I think you can see him go. So he, he's going to go again. And, but this time, I think, I think there's a little more speed this time. So, um, you know, you always say that and then you go, well, you know, <laughs> one horse goes to the front and you're like, what happened to the rest of them? But um, he's, I think he's a little up against it from from a from a setup and a pace perspective than he got last time. So um, I wouldn't say he can't win, but but um, you know you know Joey I'm K biased. always makes fun of me. Yeah, Joey K makes fun of me because in turf races I'll just I'll just press the all button. I'll find a dirt race I can single and and do all races on the turf here. And 
more times than not, the favorite's not winning. So, you know, I'm not sure if this is an all-button race. I haven't got that far into it, but there's a lot of horses here um, at the fairgrounds. And that's another thing about, you know, you guys probably know turf courses around the country. When horses like like a certain turf course, they, they mm-hmm. keep winning on it. I mean, they, they fall in love with it. So, you know, horses like Evan Singh, you look at that two for three. Beat Bad Beat Brian, two for two. two, just, for two might, yeah. just, just, just might 10 for 12 in the money on this turf course here. You know, then you look, you see Minnesota Ready is 0 for 4. Now he's got a second and a third. But I tend to kind of go away from those horses, especially when they're in the same kind of company. Um, you know, these horses down here, when they get a, when they get a hold of it here, it's pretty good. And um, so I tend, I tend to side with those horses who have, have run good over it. Let me ask you something real quick, Chad, if I, if I may. Uh, if, I were, if I recall, because, you know, Just Might is kind of like the auxiliary gate horse. It's, it's my, we're, we're, fan, we're fans of Michelle. We're friends with her. If I'm not mistaken, Pirate Rick is in this race. Wasn't that the, one of the horses involved about a year or so ago? I think Just Might got taken down after, I believe it was a win, and Pirate Rick was one of the horses that got uh, – bandied about in the race that caused a DQ. It's not on the PPs, but as I recall, I think Pirate Rick, the, the two horse in this race, because uh, it was Lynn Cash, whose horse is now with Raymond Ginner, right? I want to say Pirate Rick was one of the horses involved in that. You, you may not know off the top of your head, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Last year? I want to say it was last year. Just might want a race or something got taken. Now, maybe it was a year and a half ago, uh, two two years ago, something like that. And I want to say Pirate Rick was involved with that, but you know, get back to me. I may look that up while you guys were talking. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But now that you mentioned Pirate Rick, I, I do think that Pirate Rick kind of holds the keys to this race just with how fast he is. But it's basically all dirt speed. And as we've seen, you know, dirt speed and turf speed can be two very different things. So if I, we know that Just Might is definitely going from the rail. And if Pirate Rick can convert that speed and put the pressure on him. I do think we're looking for somebody off the pace, but if he's just a step slow and just might gets the jump on him, I, I think that he possibly could wire this field again. You think Pirate Rick's in here hoping it comes off the turf? You think they entered thinking it could come off? That's very possible. I mean, he's got a big shot if it does come off. Yeah, I would think I would think so. That's a, he, he, yeah, if he stays in, he's definitely going to press, and I, I think mm-hmm. just because he's so fast that those two might might go pretty quick but if he comes off just might might have it you know all the same way again who knows so just definitely be aware of that and joel uh, rosario how often does joel rosario run for the lynn cash raymond ginner barn that's kind of interesting <laughs> right yeah. i'd imagine that could be a first yeah. that is true that is true and you know he's good on a speed horse but he doesn't necessarily hustle him out of the gate so if you know if just might wants that lead he's probably going to get it We'll no, I, I agree. I agree. And the horse likes to win. Look, eight wins and 30 starts. So he's he's used to getting to the winner's circle, you know, a good bit. Right, right. So so who's your uh, top pick in there, Chad? You may have said it. I might have missed it. No, I didn't, I, I didn't say anything. You know, I'm, if you could think of this is a little bit little bit crazy pick, but I like on the turf, I like I like throwing uh I like throwing some long shots out there. You know, I like the six with as I am. You know, this is a horse, Tanner Tracy. Has probably had one of his best meets that he's had down here. I mean, the guy's got, I think, I think he's 11 out of 29 or something in the money with five wins. Usually I don't see him get that many wins. But this is a horse that loved Barry. I think he would have liked to rode this horse a little bit different than a Richie Sheriff. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we just might got away. He was 60 to one. He was up there for fourth place, just missed third, really. Um, was coming in a little bit of a different trip and a little bit of different pace circumstance. This horse, would have upset the apple cart at 60 to one. And I think Loveberry, um, 
is kind of kicking himself a little bit because I think he, he, that could have been his day. So yeah. it, will he be 60-1 to one again? Probably not because the field's not as big today. But Love Barry rides this turf here better than any jockey we have in the room. And I, um, I think if he can if he can work out a trip um, to his liking, there's enough there. I think he could possibly pull off the upset here at a huge number. Cool. I love it. I love it. Already shield her in the bloodlines. Yeah, I can see it. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning just might as well, but there is no way I would I would talk you off as swift as I am. And I see all the points that you're making on that one. And I mean, I think definitely has a has a big chance to to run well. All right, so the next one we got to scroll down a little bit on our pages here to get to the next stakes race, but it's in uh, race nine, which starts the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar guaranteed all stakes pick five. So that's a wager that will be fun to get involved with. So this is the Marie Krantz Memorial. It's a mile and a sixteenth on the turf for uh, Phillies and mares four year olds and up, and there there's some nice. Nice older horses in here for sure. It's interesting because Tufani is the five to two morning line favorite and probably should be, I think, deserved for uh, Stidham and Ben Curtis, but gets the far outside. That far outside draw could be a little bit of an issue, but this horse has been interesting to me because she used to, you know, be on the leader, at least pressing the pace. And then last two races, two, two back, she hopped at the break and was way back and had to make one big run. And then did that again last race, and it's been the two best races of her career. So maybe she's kind of reborn as a deep closer, possibly. But, you know, that outside draw it might not be as much of an issue if, if uh, Curtis can get her to settle and, you know, come down to the rail a little bit. So I, I do think she has a big shot in here, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this race. Chad? Yeah, so just uh, first, the Marie Krantz Memorial, I really hope they keep this race in her name. Um, for a long time. She's, she's, she was a wonderful woman. She owned, uh, Evangeline Downs and then she bought the fairgrounds from Louis Roussel in the early nineties and she owned it all the way up until, um, she had cancer and, and passed away kind of into the nineties and Brian Krantz, her son, uh, took it over. So we get to see him when he comes out here and his family. So, uh, Miss Marie was great for racing down here and, um, I hope they keep this race in her name for a long time. So just wanted to mention that real quick, but, um, very cool. Yeah. Looking at looking at the race, you know, it's interesting because I'm a big I'm a big believer in when these Phillies that are four or five years old, when they get good, they stay good. And when they're on a circuit that they start to win at, they usually they usually keep winning. And and that's what you're seeing from Tufani right now. Um yep. she's doing so good down here. Um every work was been better than the last one. Her races are getting better. Um as you look at her form. She's just in raging form right now, and I, I don't think I think the race definitely goes through her. I don't think the outside post is going to hurt one bit she, as long as she can work out a trip and find some clear sailing when she gets into the lane. Um, there's not much in here I think that can really run with her. Um, just she's just in great form now. Creative Cairo is a very interesting filly. Lindsay Schultz. I don't know if you saw the horse the other day of her born that one that's um what my name is Charlie my girl Charlie or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Ran like a freak. I mean, I, yeah. I was talking to Mike Delbert about it. That horse galloped out after going two turns and went off another ten lengths and opened up on that field. I don't know what oh, that wow. on or what that horse ate, but it was that was as impressive race as I've seen all meet from that from that filly. I don't even know what hmm. number got or which what, what, what they're doing with her, but I was like, I had to look at the page twice to see whose horse that was. I was thinking it was a Brad Cox or a Steve Asmussen horse, but man, Lindsay Schultz, that horse, watch out for that thing um, next time back because that horse didn't look tired at all. 
um, galloped out around the turn. But, um, yeah, so Lindsey Schultz, that's, uh, um, that's one that's interesting. I think Florent Giroux on the turf, um, didn't have a bad trip last time. Just, just, just got beat, you know, just got beat in that blushing KD mm-hmm. by Lovely Princess. It was her day. Um, I'm interested to see Lovely Princess and Tufani, uh, match up here. I think it really is, even though it's turf race, like anything can go. I think you got the, the newly turned five year old versus the newly turned four year old up and comer um here to to battle it out. So I'm interested to see. I think it's a top and bottom for me as my A play. Mm-hmm. And I would um I'd probably mix in a little bit maybe with Creative Cairo just to see. But she's um she's lost her last two with both of these horses in there against her. So um she's probably getting sick of of, of having a lovely princess and too funny around. But <laughs> Exactly. Um, you know, it's that again today, unfortunately, right? Yeah, she's yeah, she's gonna get that again on Saturday, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I, I think it's kind of too funny and lovely, Princess, and I, and I really probably will lean on too funny because, as you said, she's just so good right now, and probably will be able to work out a trip. Um, and you know, I, I'd like to spread in some of the the races later. So if I, so, if I'm playing that two hundred fifty thousand dollar guaranteed pick five, I may just single right off the bat and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, it's not um, a bad Alan, idea. did you have any? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I said it's not a bad idea. That's. I think this is the turf race where you could probably get away with being being pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask real quick. Yeah, I don't need. You don't need my opinions on the race. You guys covered it very well. I wanted to ask um, Chad two real quick items about the fairgrounds turf. One, how is it playing overall for people who don't know? But and uh, more specifically, Ben Curtis has really made a name for himself this meet, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, maybe could you talk a little about him for people who don't know Ben here. A lot of these names we've talked about, people know these guys. They don't know Ben Curtis, but he's really taken the fairgrounds by storm to some extent, hasn't he? Yeah, he really has. He's come down here, um, and our boy Ron Fauché has his book, actually. So, oh, really? That um, helps. Yeah, Fauché's his agent, got him to come here from over in England. I um, think he came over here with, with, with about a 1,000 wins to his credit over in England. And um, supposedly he did a lot of damage on, on the on the synthetic out there. It was a really good synthetic rider. You can tell in the styles he's a little bit different. I mean, when he's uh when he's riding heads up in the lane with uh with um I mean who just pick somebody, Guerrero, Nieves, Brian Hernandez, they look different. Like you know what Ben Curtis looks like on a horse. Um but he gets the job done and I think he's uh from everything I've I haven't um I haven't talked to him yet, haven't been introduced to him yet, but um, you know, just talking with Ron Foshe about it, the guy works hard, he's up in the mornings, he he wants to um you know, he wants to love the track, he wants to love the city, he's embracing everything about New Orleans and um you know, I think he's a likable guy, so you know that that's playing to his advantage and um you you're seeing it in the mounts he's getting with, with some of these top barns we have down here and um, you know, very similar to Torres. It took him a few weeks, took him a few mounts to kinda to kind of see what it's about down here and, and get his timing down. But uh, both of those guys since about mid-December, man, they, they've really hit their stride. And, um, yeah, I mean, you can you can bet confidently on them. And the, and the, with the rail, I assume the rail is going to be down as long as the weather holds up. And if the weather's down, what, what do those folks who are not as familiar with Louisiana racing, with the fairgrounds, what, what, what should they – which they think about with a turf course. Uh, it's been playing fair, you know. It hasn't That's had good. really, yeah. It hasn't been a huge bias whatsoever. I mean, usually a lot of times they'll get to the inside and they'll say that you know it's really good down there. But I, I mean, they pulled it down. I think last time was for the maybe the Santa card a month ago when they had the Gunrunner stakes and all that. And um, 
you know, there wasn't horses flying up the inside, getting up or, or, you know, staying on the rail the whole time all the way around. It's mostly, it's mostly making your trip, not getting stopped and then coming down the middle of the track and, and having the best horse. I mean, that's basically what the turf race has been, has been like down here. You can win on the lead and if you got the horse to close and get there, you can get there. So, um, I think it's been very fair. It's all we ask. That's what we like to hear, right? Yep. Um, all right. Go ahead. Take it back here, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that about the fairgrounds courses in general. Like Chad was talking about the long stretch on the, even on the dirt track, you know, it gives you more time if you run into some trouble and to get the job done. But I mean, front runners can win too. It's, it's, you know, there are biases some days as any track has, you know, some days or weeks or whatever when, you know, it's speed favoring or off the pace favoring or whatever. But I think just as a general rule, both the, the, the dirt and the turf at fairgrounds are, are very fair courses. But um, with that, I mean, let's move into the 10th, which is the Silver Bullet Day, which is one of the biggies on the card. It's for the three-year-old Phillies, uh, mile and 70 yards. And uh, I saw a very interesting note today from Kevin Kilroy with his stakes advance that he put out that three of the last 10 winners of this race have gone on to win the Kentucky Oaks. And Serengeti Empress, Monomoy Girl, and Untappable. So definitely keep an eye on whoever comes out of this race, the winner, because that may just be your your Oaks future wager that you need. Mm-hmm. So it's a twenty point Oaks race, as is the uh, the Lecompte's twenty point Derby race. So this is a big one coming up here, and the the two to one morning line favorites, the six in West Omaha, is a, is a serious Brad Cox horse. You know she lost to her stablemate Alpine Princess last time in the Untappable. Speaking of Untappable, but um, you know didn't have. The, the very best of trips, I thought still ran on well, wanted to do more at the end of the race. I think she's definitely the deserving favorite, but there are a couple in here and, you know, Sistina Chapel and, and Perfect Shot that are, that are threats. Uh, Chad, what are your thoughts on this race? So when I get done talking about this race, we're all going to be single in West Omaha. Okay. <laughs> and here, okay. And here's why. I, when I, I was actually on, on camera with Joe, with Joe and them for this, um, race last month in, the, um, Untappable. And I, I was adamant about West Omaha cannot win. There's no way she's winning this race, but against her, no shot. It had nothing to do with her talents. It had nothing to do with Brad Cox. It had everything to do with the fact that she was scratched in Oklahoma on that Friday night before when Brad and them had those horses all scratch on um, springboard mile day. They didn't right. get it because they were, they were technically over-medicated for the race or whatever. So she turned around from that day, got on a van, Went from Oakland, went, went from Remington Park to Oakland, worked on that Sunday after being at Remington Park on Friday, worked, jumped on a van from Oakland, came down to the fairgrounds, which was not her intended target whatsoever. Um, just happened to, happened to get into the race because they, they drew the next day after she was scratched that Friday, they drew for the next week. So she, she gets in, Brad Ray had Alpine Princess in, and now he needed, he knew he had to get a race in the West Omaha. Vans are down here. She gets down here on that Thursday, I believe it was. Barely gets to the track. Mike's like, I, Mike couldn't, didn't even remember seeing her come to the track on Friday. So <laughs> I was like, there's no shot. This horse wins after everything that just happened in the past week to this horse. Then she's, a, then she's a freak. I said, if you're going to beat her, this is the time to beat her. So a lot of us won Alpine Princess and West Omaha, to be honest with you, I threw out of everything. I was just, I was hoping for a score. She was going to be two to one. I was throwing her out of everything. She ran a lot better than I thought she would mm-hmm. with that race under her belt and staying at the fairgrounds. Now she's back on her, her, her schedule. Um, she's working well. Sias comes in. Um, he's going to ride. 
this is this is go time. That this is now Brad Cox has it his way. And if Sistina Chapel couldn't beat her <laughs> when she was not at her best last month, Sistina right Chapel ain't beating her now. And yeah. um, you know, perfect shot. I, I'm not a big fan of maiden races straight into stakes. Um, yeah, I think she's okay. I don't think she's the I don't think she's the best three year old Philly Steve Asbusen has on the grounds. Um, he's running perfect shot here because she's ready to run. I think he has another one or two in the barn that you're going to see later on that are probably better than perfect shot. So with that being said, you know, the wild card for me is this, is this <laughs> Oklahoma. Okay, the West. Yeah. The West. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what she is. I'm not worried about anybody else in this race, but this um, Oklahoma bred horse, but I think West Omaha is going to be four to five. And I think she's going to romp. Unless this Miss Code West is is just a freak, and it, look, it's hard to bet against undefeated horses, right? I mean, when they do nothing wrong, it's hard to bet against them. But you know, he, here's the kid in Floyd Wethy Jr. who has never rode one single race in his career at the fairgrounds. This is going to be his first mount. I'm really surprised he don't have another mount the whole day. I mean, he's really good friends with Jade Gellner and Scott Gellner, and they got a couple horses mm-hmm. on the card. I thought they would throw him a bone and let him ride a race or two. To, to get to get to get a little acclimated, get acclimated a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he, you know you see that on Belmont Day, right? You see the the jockeys come in and, and ride a couple of races before they ride the Belmont Stakes. But um, Floyd Wethy Jr. has never rode, ridden a race at the fairgrounds, and he's been riding a good twelve, thirteen years. You know, he rode a lot of races in Texas and Oklahoma and even Oklahoma, but not here. And, and that's a different. It's going to be a different a different thing for him. Now he comes over from Sam Houston. I think he's at Delta tomorrow night. Then he's coming over here for uh for Saturday or going back to Sam Houston and coming here Saturday. Um I will say this though, it's interesting because I, I looked it up before. He only rode one race in his life at Evangeline Downs too, and that was last summer in a stakes race and he won. So <laughs> so I, I was looking for a, a, an angle for that. But um yeah, he he's ridden one race in his life at Evangeline too and it was a stakes race back in April that he won. So hey maybe the kid can do it but I think when the trend, yeah, yeah, when he turns for home in, in in the fairgrounds in this race, and if he's on the lead, there's still a long way to go. He's got to hope that he's got enough air in this horse's lungs to get through that long stretch without um, without this big mama bear West Omaha, you know, bearing down his throat. So we'll see, we'll see what kind of class he's got. Undefeated's nothing to shake a stick at, and I know it's Remington, but his numbers aren't bad. I mean, her numbers aren't bad, and um. You know, I think Kevin, I think Kevin Scholl's a decent trainer too, from what I've heard about him. So, you know, best of luck to him. He knows he's got to come take on the Asmussen's and the, and the Coxes when you come to a race like this. So we'll see what she's got. I'll be interested to see if she stays at nine to two, or if they make her a second choice or, you know, how close she is in the wagering to, to West Omaha, who I think is going to be a big favorite. But I mean, for me, if West Omaha looks to, looks to part in the paddock, which I assume she will, I think this race is over. You, if I may real quick, Jeff, um, mm-hmm. You've got me convinced on on. Um, I didn't know all that about West Omaha, and I thought she did a good job of moving and chasing home Alpine Princess last time, who got the trip, who was a very nice horse, right? So the, the, that kind of race, I did like the race. I didn't know all that backstory with the, with the Cox Runner. I, I am fascinated by this Oklahoma bread, and I only bring it up real quick because I, I do think it's. I'm with you. I'm thinking that Cold West might be the single. Um, I'm sorry, West Omaha might be the single. But with Miss Cold West, as I'm looking at the PPs, I see the fact that she's won, uh, she's won five furlongs, she's won six, she's won two turns, she's won on fast, she's won on mud, she's won from way off the pace, she's won stalking the pace, she's won on the lead. I know it's Oklahoma bred, and, and of course the last time it was open company to in the trapeze at Remington. It, 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 that is, that is something to take note of this horse. This horse has done everything asked of her, 
And again, everything they've thrown at her, she's, she's accomplished. They haven't thrown, uh, this Brad Cox West Omaha at her yet, but I do find that fascinating <laughs> that she's done it every which way possible so far. Without Lasix. Yeah. Without yeah, Lasix, too. Yeah. That, that, the more I look at the horse, the more I'm intrigued. I don't think she wins, but I think she probably gives a good account of herself. But I do find that fascinating as I'm looking at those running lines. Yeah, look at that. I mean, look at her workout. What on uh, Saturday was that the seven, uh, two weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, not that not that there's you know a bunch of great graded stakes winners working at Sam Houston Park, but best out of 107, <laughs> she had to be doing something that morning that was pretty quick. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that so she she's coming in ready. I mean, I think they're gonna fire their best shot. I just don't I just don't know enough. With a right. race over the track that West Omaha has and, and, you know, the expectations they have for this Philly, um, you know, it, who knows? It would have been good to see them both face off in the trapeze to see who would have won. But, um, you know, that it, it, she 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 was going to attack her that day, too. So, yeah, the race came up also muddy, too. That was on a muddy track, and she just romped. So, you know, she likes it wet, even though I don't think we're going to have – I don't anticipate there being rain. But, look, if we the track ends up some kind of way, shape, or form being wet, you got to move her up a little bit off of that, too. Move her up. Yep. Yep. Absolutely agree. She's, you know, she's just a racehorse. You know, they they obviously didn't expect this out of her. You know, I saw that she was just a, a twelve five purchase as a two year old in training. So, you know, when you're looking at him in the paddock, I'm sure West Omaha is probably going to, you know, kind of tower over her in the paddock, looking at them next to each other. But you know, Miss Code West just a gamer. But I tell you what, Alan said. Basically, exactly my point that you've convinced me on West Omaha because I totally forgot about that whole travel snafu that happened. I remember that happening at the time, but I had forgotten that. So, I mean, that's a that's a great angle. I think she will be incredibly tough to beat in here. Mm-hmm. So, the next race, moving on to the Colonel Bradley. So that is a mile and a sixteenth turf race for uh, four year olds and upward, the older males, and and this one is. Is another very intriguing field to me. It's the pace scenario is interesting. Uh, the horses in here are interesting. There's some that are coming off of really nice performances. Uh, I mean the 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 Buddy Delaberto Memorial that was uh, won by the late two Emmys is. I mean Beatbox is coming out of that. English Tavern is coming out of that. Uh, they they both ran very very well. Uh, and then you got Strong Quality who has a ton of speed and. You know, if gets if he just gets to the lead, he may not look back in here. I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards him in here, but um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in your guys' opinions on this race because I think there are other ways you can go. What yeah, do you think, I think Chad? strong quality. Strong quality is very interesting. It's the third start off this cycle here, and um, if you look at it, I think you know he, he's he's going to get seven pounds off his last start, which that could only help a front runner, right? I mean, he's going back down to 118 in this race, and. He got a little little tired, I guess, on the mud at Oakland, but that wasn't his best surface. I can't imagine, um, you know, even that's the whole first time he was on a really wet track like that that he raced over it. But this horse does like he's pretty he's pretty versatile. I mean, he's got two wins on the turf. He's got two wins on the main track um, for Mark Cassie, who's whose barns kind of started a little slow, a lot of seconds and thirds, I think. Um, but he hasn't run a whole bunch of horses yet. Usually, you see his horses really start to um, come around in the springtime here. Because he gets them ready for for Keeneland and Churchill, so you'll see more starts out of Mark usually um, toward the back half of the meet than the, than the first half of the meet. So um, yeah, he's bringing this one down here. Uh, hasn't been in the fairgrounds turf course before, um, so we'll see what he's got uh, when he comes down here. I like the horses, like I said, that's been over it a few times. Um, I could tell you a horse I'm very much against in here, and, and I don't even know. I, have, I don't have the odds in front of me, so I have no idea what the morning line is on 
um, the Louisiana bred who took the money. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think his, I think his best days are behind him. Um, he, you know, even though he lost to Behemoth Star, he came back and won at Delta. Um, that was against state breads. I, I just think right. that horse, if he was right, he should have robbed those last two races. Um, he had no excuses really. Um, you know, I, I just think he could be going in the wrong direction. Now, Brett and him are looking for a place to run and that this is kind of, there's nothing really else for Louisiana Brett's on the turf. So he's got to go back to open company. You can have him at whatever price he's going to be. I, I don't want no part of who took the money, even though he's got a pretty gaudy record when you look at it. And, um, he usually runs well on this turf force, but, um, he hasn't ventured into open company hardly at all. Um, so he's got the proof that proof, proof to me that he can beat these kind of horses. Um, I thought Rise and Empire two back was the bet of the meat. And Joey K and I talked about it that day. <laughs> I could not understand. I was waiting for this horse to get pounded, pounded, pounded. I was like, why are they not betting this horse? It's some, I really thought seven to two. I thought, I thought something was wrong. And I really thought, <laughs> I, I thought, I mean, if you look back, I'm looking at the race going, this horse ran second in the Mervyn Munez in the spring. And he was second in our biggest grass race of the meet. And they gonna let this horse go off at seven to two in an allowance race here with Loveberry on. I just couldn't right. wait. Right, and only second by a half length too. You know, it's not right. like he was. He almost won. The, he almost won yeah. the grade two over this turf. Right. Right. What is going on? Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I couldn't. And Joey's like, "Yeah, you're right." It was one of those situations where I'm like, "How much can you bet?" I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I was like, it kind of scary because it, there was no money really on him. I thought he should be eight to five. Um, so then he comes back and and he runs the race. I mean, I, no excuses. I have no idea what happened to him in that race and the Buddy Deliberto. Um, it was a weird, weird race that day. I mean, two Emmys, everybody was kind of waiting, 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 and, and he just took it to him and didn't look back. And if you talk to Hugh Robertson going into the race, was like, ah, oh, he might need one. I'm like, that horse never needs one. That horse just comes to <laughs> run, man. Like, I mean, yeah. he just, you know, uh, it's so sad what happened to him. And um, I really hope in the future that maybe the next year there'll be a race name for him, for that horse, because he loved it down here and he certainly deserves it. But um, back to Rising Empire, I don't know. I, I was like, man, did that horse get hurt? Like, what happened? And then, boom, he pops up on the work tab. And now they go from Loveberry to Sias. I, I really don't know what's going on. Um, the horse owes me nothing. But I did go back on him a little bit in that next race because I was like, man, he might be getting good. Let's see what he's got. Mm-hmm. And I watched that race a couple of times. And he didn't take a bad step. He didn't. He just didn't run. Like, it, he just didn't show up. And then yeah, that put him, now they put him right back in again. And, and that makes me think. Maybe nothing was wrong with him. Maybe they couldn't find nothing wrong with him either. So they're going to run him again and, and see what he's got. So if he runs back, you know, he's going to be ignored, I think, on Saturday. But if he can run back to the allowance win or run back to how he did in the Mervyn Munez, I, I got to give him a shot. And I don't think he's going to be nine to two, four to one this time around. I mean, Beatbox drilled him. English Tavern drilled him last time out. So recency goes their way. But you know how it is, man. These turf horses, yep. when they get to this level, they could easily take turns beating each other. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, he's, with, five, he's five to one on the morning line, but I agree with the, you. I think we're going to get some float from there just with the presence of those other ones in here. I yeah, think you're going to get a better price than that. And Beatbox ran great. Look, he that wasn't yeah. much of a trip he had either. I mean, he didn't break good. Rosario, Rosario him a little bit, and I, I don't, you know, he didn't he didn't exactly have a, have his greatest trip in the world. Um, so I expect him to I expect him to get a little better better run at him this time. Um, and with no with no two Emmys, you know, around now. Yeah, it probably the race probably goes through beatbox. Yep. 
Yep, I agree with everything you said there. Alan, did you uh, have you looked at this race? Do you have any opinions? Oh, on yeah, anything? I've looked at all the races. Again, I'll, I'm going to defer to you guys, but, you know, my heart is with Mich- heart and head with Michelle and my friend Jerry Romans and stuff. They've got English Tavern, who, who <laughs> ran a sneaky good race last time. But not only did that one run a sneaky good race, so did Protonical Power on the inside. Maybe that horse gets last run. Maybe, as he's alluding to, maybe Rising Empire goes after strong quality early. Maybe there's more of a pace scenario in here than it maybe initially looks on paper. Brigadier General goes, if that were to happen, maybe the race collapses in the English Tavern or a Protonico Power could, and, you know, Beatbox is going to take all the money uh, as far as the closers go, right? Maybe one of those two sneak up. But uh, I don't know. I'm yeah. a fan of strong quality. I'm a fan of English Tavern. I'm a fan of all of these horses. So it's a fun one to watch for me personally. You got to want, you got to love Dallas Stewart, right? This horse is five years, little first star is five real year. Yeah, let's throw him on the turf for the first. Let's throw him on the turf and screw this pace scenario completely <laughs> up, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looks like it might happen. 18 stars in the books, five year old. Let's, uh, let's try some turf now. Do you think yeah. you're getting an easily strong quality? Watch this, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's an interesting race for sure, and it's it's one that I'm probably going to spread a little bit in in that pick five for sure, especially if, now that you've convinced me into a second single in West Omaha. I mean, we have some we have some wiggle room here in these other ones. Maybe I'll even all it go with your your turf all angle there. Yeah, all just you know for the hell of it, just throw who took the money in because if you go all and leave who took the money out, guess what's going to happen? Yeah, I'll pop up and win, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well. Race 12 is the, the Louisiana Stakes, uh, mile and a 16th, four years old and upward, and there are some there are some big names in here. I mean, Saudi Crown and Smile Happy are the two favorites on the morning line, 8-5 to five and 9-5. to five. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, Saudi Crown, everybody knows that horse. Uh, didn't run in the in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but, I mean, definitely had the didn't have the best of trips either. Had to press outside, had to be used up and everything. If, if that one off of the, the short break is ready, I think is very, very dangerous. But there is a lot of speed in here, guys, I thought. I mean, five-star general, it's very fast. Kapuna's got to go, I'm sure. I mean, Ray will have that one flying. Um, you know, Smile Happy, it looks like the, the race kind of sets up for him, but – been off since July. I know there's been some rumblings that he's kind of had some some issues in training, like he doesn't want to train some days or he's only training the wrong direction or something. You know, I'm not really sure on that story. Uh, Chad, you might have more on that, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. But um, I think, you know, there are question marks there for sure. I, I thought that that Happy American is very interesting in here. I've always just kind of liked that horse, and he always makes his run and usually doesn't get the job done, usually just kind of comes along for third or something. But with with how much speed is in here, and Pesson's been talking like this one's ready to run, like he kind of needed the last race, but ready for this one. That's that's the price shot I'm, I'm looking for in here. But, Chad, I'm very interested to hear your, your thoughts on the favorites, long shots, and do you have any info on that Smile Happy stuff going on? <laughs> I don't have much of a spot, smile happy. I can tell you that Brad Cox has won three of the last five years in this race, and every time he's won, it's been with Laurent Giroux. Now, that being said, um, you know, you're looking at this horse, Saudi Crown. He goes back on Lasix for this race. He is the high weight. Um, he's been doing pretty well, Mike said, in the mornings. He's been here, I think, about a month now, maybe a little bit over a month, um, with Giroux on him in the mornings, and he's been pretty good. Um they seem like you think he's ready to run. My only concern is, you know, this isn't this isn't the goal for him. This is the starting point for him. So, right. you know, I think um, I don't know if they've got 
bigger picture as far as going across seas with him maybe um, later on in March, or if they can stick around here, maybe try the New Orleans handicap or New Orleans stakes. Not sure, but I know, you know, coming off the little bit of a layoff here, um, I'd be surprised if he runs an A-plus race. I mean, his B, his B race may be good enough to win, but if you're going to beat him, I think this might be the time to try. Um, the question now is, you know, who, who can you rely on to beat him? Um, last year in this race, Happy American is the only reason why I think I broke even on the day. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I think I, I think I'm, this is, I was hooked pretty good until Happy American. And Happy American will always, always tout you when he's ready to run. When he comes to the paddock, if there's two people holding him as they walk around the paddock, one on each side, and he looks like he's about to jump in the air and go through the clouds, he's ready to run. You will see this in the paddock with him. If he's, Taking notes. Taking if, notes. If he, yes, if, yes. If he's walking around the paddock and he's a handful and he's tugging and he's, like, giving him hell, he's going to run big. It's happened every time. The last few times, he has not been like that. He's come to the paddock. He looks like he wanted to go to sleep. He don't run like that. It's amazing. Pess and I laugh about it now. I mean, it's, you know, I'm like, this horse, he tips himself every time. And then Neil just laughs. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm telling you, watch. He goes, All right. <laughs> that's just who he is. I'm like, that horse knows when he's ready to run. And so just keep an eye on that because he did it last year for this race. And then after that, he never did it again. Um and he's and he hasn't won. I don't. I don't know if he's won since then. Yeah. I don't know if he's won since then. But he'll tout right he'll, he'll himself. He will. So keep an eye on Happy American. Now, I mean, I think um, I was surprised. He ran a really good race in the Tenacious. He ran a little better than I thought he would, especially since Five Star General just kind of had things his own way, and and really Happy American was up against it. I thought he ran pretty well. Um, he likes it down here. He's doing well. Is you know he's been down here a number of years now, and so. Um, you know, it'd be a good way for the Lothenbach stables. I think you guys saw it came out today that they're um they're gonna go ahead and disperse all the horses coming up as basic oh, wow. tipton yeah. for Bob Lothenbach. And so I don't know where that's gonna leave a guy like Neil Pesson who has a lot of nice horses for uh for Lothenbach stables. But um yeah. you know, maybe maybe he goes out on top here and he gets himself a win. Uh five star general to me, I don't know how you can like him in this race. Last time was the time. Um it's hard to think that he gets everything the same way he just got it, and it was 12 to 1 that day, and and that's when you really wanted to have him, I thought. Um, you know, there's a big number he ran off the bench a little bit. You know, Delta, touch, you know, he ran against Touch Point of Star, who's just a Louisiana-bred freak. Um, but um, I think five-star general had things his own way. That was his race, and I just don't see him. If he wins again, hey, congratulations to Grant Forrester, but I think I'm going to let him beat me this time. Um, confidence game's been doing okay. Um, you know, Corey Lannery gets on board for Keith Sormo. It's really very strange. Corey Lannery's won 5,000 races in his career. Louisiana kid, Lafayette, Keith Sormo's from Maurice from Lafayette. These guys never team up together. And I don't know why. I, don't, yeah. I looked at the, it's, I, I said, man, Corey Lannery's riding for Keith Sormo. That never happens. How many times? And if you look at it, I think, they haven't rate if if DRF's right, they're like 0 for one the last I don't know, five years. So it's really weird. Like Yeah, I, I only know. see one as far back as I can see. It's just 0 for one. So Right. So I and I don't even know who source that reason was. So yeah. they, they don't team up a lot. The Sormo usually if he's um alive, he'll, he'll he likes James Graham on his horses. 
Um, not sure what this Graham is even riding this race, is he? I don't think he's even even in here. Uh, so I don't think so. No, he's so, not on anybody in here. Yeah, so it's a little. I, I'm just kind of baffled, but I wonder why he would take Graham off and put Corey on. So that that's kind of weird to me. But um, Kapuna's one. I, I didn't know if Calhoun was going to stay here. I think the horse might be entered at Oakland too, maybe. Um, okay. But they had a horse. They had a race picked out at Oakland, but he has been training here, um, and he's fast. He's um. He likes it here. He's won here before, and he's he he's one that can pop up and throw a fast number. He he is kind of the one that would remind me what five star general was last time. Like that twelve right. to one got a perfect trip on the lead. Maybe that's Kapuna's way of of getting to the winner circle this time, and, and at twelve to one or thirteen to one, I think that's his only chance. But obviously, if Brad Cox has Saudi crown, if, if the you know the screws are tightened enough, his class should let him prevail. Smile happy to me. I, I just don't know. Back on Lasix, he seems to run better when he's on Lasix than when he's not. Um, just off the layoff for me, the way McPeace Barnes kind of been this winter, I, he's going to have to beat me, especially at 9-5. to five. I mean, yeah, good, good luck. I mean, I just right. don't want nothing to do with him at anywhere around 9-5. to five. Lest, I am, we for, I, lest we forget, uh, remember Smile Happy's last race in the Stephen Foster Ellis? When he refused to go in the gate and they held the race up like 10 minutes. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? It was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't yeah. seen him since then. It's, that's interesting. Yeah. It, it was at least 10 minutes, wasn't it? It was, it was forever. Yeah. 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 I have lights at Ellis. <laughs> Pete, that, that is crazy. And look, it's going to get dark here about that time. We're at 530, so the lights are going to be on. Um, I can promise you the lights will be on on the track. So if he has a little problem with lights, it's not going to be good for him. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, lights in the crowd. That yeah. might, you know, the lights will be on by 5:30 at the track on Saturday night. So, if, if that's his issue, then he could be flipping out again. Um, I'm very surprised that Red Route One has never been at the fairgrounds. With the long stretch and his running style, for him to make, you know, whatever it is, 15, 16 starts and be a four-year-old now, and if these gun runners get better as they get older. Steve, Steve's always said that about his gun runner prodigy. For him making his first start here with this long stretch, how can he not love it? I, I mean, I was just saying he's gonna love it here. He goes back on Lasix too, and um, last time he was on Lasix was the West Virginia Derby, which he won. Um, so I think he's a horse you got to give a shot to if things do heat up in the, on the front end. Um, you know, I, 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 I give I give him a shot, and and Red Route One, you know, with Rosario coming from off the pace, you know, this could be one that Steve, you look up, and you're like, really? I mean, Steve just paid sixteen dollars. You kidding me? Yeah. You know, one, of those, yeah. one of those kind of deals, you know. So he's a B for me. He's probably gonna be a B. Um, I'm gonna let Small Happy beat me. Like I said, I'm gonna let Five Star General beat me. I gotta wait to see what Happy American looks like. But um, Kapuna, Saudi Crown, maybe some, maybe some Red Route One. We'll see. That, that's kind of where I'm leaning. Yeah, no, I hear you. What do you What are you thinking in here, Alan? Uh, I'm just I'm actually thinking Brisnet needs to maybe look over their numbers as I'm looking at it right now because there's no way Happy Americans only run at fairgrounds 12 times. I'm pretty sure it's like 63. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> but no. Yeah, I, we were talking about that the other day. It seems like he pops up in every, in every one of these races that's that's possible down there. Favorite uh, one of my favorite horses. He's he's so much fun to watch. Uh, I, I, the race goes through Saudi Crown, obviously. I'm sure. I'm thinking what three, four to five, maybe. I mean, the horses come yeah. out of the Breeders' Cup Classic. Now that said, you can take a stand against him with anybody not named Smile Happy. Things elevate, and he he could theoretically be beatable in here. So. I don't have a strong opinion yet, but that's why it's if Saudi, if Saudi Crown loses, it, well, any if any of either of the top two loses, then you open up the exotics and stuff. So just, that's just something to keep in mind. You might be able to watch um, 
that there's the, the KBA videos have been some workout videos from fairgrounds that are online that you can find. Um, uh, uh, Gary Palmazano had put it on Twitter. I believe there's a link. You might be able to watch the, um, the work with Saudi crowd on the 13th. He worked with Nash with Nash. Ooh. Yeah. So, it was an, it was an eventful work too. Yeah. I, th- I think that one's on the, uh, that one might be on the, um, on the website, they might have that one on tape. So if people want to go back and look at that and look at some of those uh, videos, those are very, very helpful in the morning. Cool. I'll yeah. take a look. I agree. And, and if Saudi crown runs well here, I mean, I think you got to upgrade Nash too, because I thought Nash was very impressive in that workout with Saudi crown. Exactly. Speaking, right. Exactly. Speaking of Nash, speaking of Nash, right? Well, we got exactly. Next? Speaking of Nash next up, we have the big one, the Lecomte grade three Lecomte. Uh, mile and a sixteenth for the three year olds and uh it is the the rematch of Nash and Track Phantom from the Gunrunner. Uh Track Phantom got the better of Nash in the Gunrunner and has been installed as the nine to five morning line favorite. Um do you guys prefer one of the two out of that race and are those the two in here or is there anybody else that you're really interested in? What do you think, Chad? So Awesome Rose gonna scratch. We know that. He's not mm-hmm. here. He's not coming. Um I didn't like the way Nash looked in the paddock for the gun runner. Um, I didn't see him live, obviously, at Keeneland or Churchill. But to me, when I was looking at him in the paddock, I was like, uh, you know, just one of those, you have a certain, you've seen enough Brad Cox horses, as, as everybody has down here. You, you kind of know, you can kind of tell the ones, not that they, they all don't look good, but there's a few of them that, that are stakes horses from his barn. When they come in the paddock, you're like, huh. It's over. Luck, yeah, yeah it's luck over. Be, luck beating this horse. <laughs> Um, you know, you just kind of feel that way, but I didn't get that feeling when I saw Nash in the paddock. Now, before that, you know, he only been here maybe for one work. Um, so maybe he wasn't as cranked up. I think, um, also to that big number might've been a little bit inflated coming in. And, um, Steve, Steve had been here with track phantom and Steve was pretty confident that day that that track phantom was going to run well. Um, you know, it was the second time going around um, two turns, I believe, and um I think that helped that horse a lot. I think he had more air in his lungs and he just you know, he, he reminded me coming down the stretch so much of Epicenter. I mean, he just ran a straight line, just right to the wire, just very professional, you know, just he just did it his own way and, and he didn't slow down and he went past the wire and the Cartores just, you know, kinda let him do his own thing, gallop out good. I was like, Man, that looks like Epicenter. Um I don't know if this horse can be epicenter or not. I didn't ask Steve, you know, to compare the two, and he's like really, he's not too happy when you ask him those kind of questions anyway. But, um, you know, I think that I think Track Phantom is, is a really nice horse, and Nash is going to have to prove that he can he can run with him on this track. You know, maybe this isn't maybe this isn't Nash's track. Maybe he likes Churchill. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll see. I think Nash has a lot to prove. Um, the thing is, the winner of this race, look, I mean, you, you got enough points maybe that get you there. You know, you can, then you can start, right. being, you can start doing what you want to do on the trail. You're not chasing points. So it's a key race in that regard. And, um, I think it's been a really good race. This is the fifth year I think we've run it a mile and a 16th. It used to be a mile. And, um, now the, this series goes from a mile and a 16th to a mile and three sixteenth risen star to the mile and, um, I mean, a mile and, a, uh, eighth risen star to a mile and three sixteenths derby. So I think, um, you know, this is going to be a pretty good race, and you can see the top three probably come back in the Risen Star, maybe the top four. But there is a horse in here I like, and it's the other Cox. Uh-huh. It's either, it's I either, knew you were going to say that one. I, yep. I know you like this horse. <laughs> we had, yeah, we had this. I think 
Jeff knows I like this horse. He's probably, he knows he, it's okay. It's okay to like this horse, right? That's right. Um, this horse has gotten a lot better um, since he's been here, and he's thriving. Um, Mike, I couldn't, I couldn't stop Mikey D from talking about this horse. Um, just a big old long stride on this thing, and he, he's a runner, man. I mean, he he passed that two turn test with flying colors. Remember when I talked about there's been good made special weights and bad made special weights? That was a good made special weight he was in. Um, mm-hmm. That was a solid race. And some of these from that race are running earlier in the card. So watch what they do. And if they flatter him, um, not that he's flattering, but as soon as the, as soon as these entries came out, I looked at it. I said, I told, I told, I think I told Kilroy. I said, Drew picked the wrong horse. I That's said, what I'm, I'm going to ask you. That's what I'm going to ask you. But do you keep going, okay? I think Drew picked the wrong horse. I, I really do. Now, I don't know how you cannot pick Nash because he's been on him two times. I get, it. I get it. But I think if you gave him some truth serum and you said, Florent, which one you really want to ride? Because he's worked Ethan Energy in the mornings too. I bet you you could twist his arm. He'd say he'd rather be on Ethan Energy. He'll never admit it, but look, Sayas <laughs> is very capable to win this race aboard Ethan Energy. I'm not, you know, but I think Ethan Energy, he'll be twice the price of Nash, maybe three times the price. Track Phantom's going to take a good bit of money. Ethan Energy's definitely, I mean, I, I even made fun of Mike. I said, are you kidding me? You can make this horse four to one in the line. Come on. And he, likes, <laughs> he, likes him, he likes him so much. I said, you could have made this horse eight to one and nobody would have batted it. Nobody would have batted an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I said, you give, you giving the barn away, you. He, um, yeah. he made this horse four to one. I'm like, yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to not like him, right? I mean, geez, I'm Pete. So he's going to be third <laughs> choice no matter what. I, I don't know how, where he's going to be third choice, but he's the horse that's going to split this exacto or even win this race. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, and as you, the point that you made with Luis Saez too, he did win this race for Brad Cox last year with instant coffee. So right, it, it could be a little deja vu again here. Oh yeah, yeah, and look, Cox and Asmussen, man, they're tough to keep out the winner circle in these three roll races here. I mean, they just are. You got to have a runner to beat to beat the horses that are in, are in these two barns. I mean, that's just the way it's been since Brad Cox kind of put himself on the scene with with all the big horses and, and having the years that he's had the last five or six years. It, it's a it's a heavyweight fight with Steve Asmussen and Cox in these stakes races here, especially with the three year olds. Um, one thing I want I want a couple of different things. Obviously, this appears to be a three horse race, right? And a couple of things that struck me, and you've already touched on one. One Drew chose Nash over Ethan Energy, right? And it looks, I mean, you're talking Godolphin Stone Street, you know, six one half dozen another. Uh, Nash's best race, the one that everybody had their jaw drop when he went straight to the front. And no point in his last race did he look like he was going to win. He did not go straight. He's a little bit flat out of the gate, right? It mm-hmm. makes me wonder, does Drew, because maybe that's the way he wants to go, does Drew send, make more of an effort this time, you think, to send this horse and see if, hey, just put him on the lead, get him up near this, and see what he can do. Is that a possibility? I think so. But I think if you, were to, if you ask them their real opinion, they'd probably rather be drawn outside. Yeah, from, I agree. From, from mm-hmm. that perspective. You know, I mean, last time – you know, track phantom was drawn outside of him and, and that didn't go well. Now he's drawn, you know, inside of him again. I, I don't, I just don't see how they don't sit the same kind of trips. You know, now he's got the break better for sure. And he can, but yeah, he's got to try something different, right? Last time it didn't work what he did. So you got to try something different. Um, maybe that, maybe that is the key. Put him on the lead. You got Ethan Andrew. He likes to come from behind. You know, if you Brad Cox, you're like, well, I can win it one of two ways. I could send right him. I could send him and just draw everybody into me and run them off their feet. And if I get a little tired, maybe my other one comes up and wins it. It's a good position to be in if you're Brad Cox. It's probably a good position to be in Brad Cox, whatever day of the week it is. But um, 
But if they, I think that's, I think you're right. I think that has to be what they're thinking, you know, maybe, you know, throw Nash out in the front end, run them all off their feet. And if he's still good enough to get there, he gets there. And if not, here comes, here comes this long striding son of uncle Mo to come mow them all down. You were talking earlier too about how there's been good main races that, and it's like that everywhere. It's a good race, main race at fairgrounds. There's been average ones. The, the maiden race, that Ethan Energy comes out of Keeneland was one of those good maiden races. Uh, that was uh, Mystic Dan, who's a Ken McPee course, was hot that day. I remember, I don't get into the whole who's hot steam thing, whoever, but there was a lot of uh, live horses that day. Mystic Dan for McPeak, the, the runner-up you had. That's also the race that Sharita Vos horse, who's come back to win twice, and I cannot think of the horse's name as a stakes winner now, was in that race, who was very hot that day. Uh, she didn't, she got, I think she got drilled on the rail or something. And Ethan Energy was also live that day, and, and he just, he broke poorly. So that was a very live maiden race. And then the winner of Goo is, is Wick, I think I believe that's Wick Beckman's horse. And that horse mm-hmm. has turned out to be a very nice horse as well. So that's a, we're coming up a really good sprint and then they put them two turns and you see what happens. So I'm with you. I believe Ethan Energy. I was a little concerned about Giroux going to Nash, but I mean, if you're asking me to pick one horse, I'm taking Ethan Energy in this spot. I also think it's interesting that Torres wins the gun runner and loses the mount on track. Man, I don't know if Torres had obligations in Oakland, which is canceled. Or maybe just hey, it's Rosario. We're keeping Rosario, but yeah, he yeah. loses the mount. So I, it's I think it's a it's three horse race in my eyes, but it's a fun three horse race. It is no, it definitely is, and you know the rest of them are, are kind of playing catch up. And um, you know, next level, I'm, I'm not sure. Keith likes to try his three rolls in these kind of races, and um, just to kind of prove to him, see what they got. He'll jump them around a little bit, but everybody else is they're kind of up against it. You know, you got McPeak with this lat long, and Brian Hernandez Jr. Um, that's going around two turns. You know, he just broke his maiden at Oakland, which is a pretty nice, pretty nice race from what I could gather. Um, you know, with La Peru and, and he was, you know, I hope he got out of the, I hope he got out of there. Okay. With all that weather. I'm not sure if he's here yet or not. I know that shows that he worked last week. I'm not sure if he worked since then. Um, but I hope he, if he got on the, if he got, if he got on the bus down here, um, hopefully he did, they'll be able to run. So, um, he adds a little bit of intrigue, maybe a little pace perspective with him too. And, and, um, We'll see. He's eight to one. I, I imagine he's the one that's probably going to float up uh, off those odds because they're going to. I think they're going to bet the hell out of those three horses, like two coxes and track phantom. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. All right, Jeff. One hundred percent, man. Yeah, I, I do think Light Long is a little interesting too, but I think it's a three horse race. I'm with you guys, and I do think I'm also going to lean on Ethan Energy, just price dependent. You know, it's going to he's going to be the best price of the three. I think he's got the most upside. I think he can. I think he can get, get the job done. But should be a great race. Should be a great card. I mean, I appreciate you guys going over that card with me, and I'm very much looking forward to it coming up here on Saturday. I think we're going to see something special potentially. Uh, Chad, before we let you go, is there one horse that you're just really looking to play on the card on Saturday? Open up that wallet for buddy. Ooh, ooh. Um, man, I, I, I want to say Ethan Energy at anywhere around four or five to one. That that'd be that'd be a nice price to get. Um. You know, I think West Omaha is probably the, the the best bet on the card. There's another, um, let's see, one of those meetings I have marked. Let's see, where did I? Uh, bear with me for. Take your time, brother. We got all day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think we talked about one of these main races. I was looking at a horse, but you got to tell me. You got the um. Uh, actually, I think I got the. Uh, uh, what was my? Uh, yeah, you tell me what yeah, you got. got, I got yeah. In that sixth race, the sixth race maiden. Okay. Two Brad Cox horses in there. Is that the one? No, no, no. I don't think he's got two in that race. Uh, that's an interesting race though, too. But 
I think one's a lot. I think the Saez one's better than the one uh, Jeru's on Cornish man. I think I think the mm-hmm. other one's better. Um, but in the sixth race, that is the Philly one, I think. Right? No, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, Philly one. Most, Philly one going, the Philly one going six furlongs. Uh, the Asmussen one in there is, mm-hmm. is pretty fast. Motown <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, I, I mean six yeah. furlongs. She's fast. Uh, if she breaks, she's gonna play. She's gonna play. Catch me if you can. Um, I mean, the you can. Aspusen don't work horses. Forty-seven and one. Forty-seven and three. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so that's not he. They have to do that on their own, and, and usually under a strangle. If 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 they're working those kind of numbers, so and she's going out of the gate with a couple of these works. So I know she's fast. I know there's a little bit of talk about the eight. Um, Sheree Devos horse. Mm-hmm. This one. This one must have looked like Secretariat at the sale. Um, fifty, wow, for thirty-five thousand. Fifty, yeah, for a first foal out of a dam who was winless. What did this thing look like? <laughs> right. I mean, I, yes, I was, indeed, aptly named, aptly named. Then, right, wow, right. a winless dam's first foal out of Bolt Oro goes for eight fifty. I mean, you, that thing must have looked great, or somebody just hates money. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So. Obviously this thing could run. I think, um, I think one of these workouts are on the videos that we mentioned earlier too. Um, so yeah, look, look up that one, but Mike made this one three to one. And look, Mike, Mike's, Mike's, like you said, he's the clocker out there and he makes it the morning line. So when he tabs a first time starter in that three to one range, they, they're, they're good. Um, Watch out. yeah. Gotcha. So he, I think he had trouble. He had trouble. I think it was a coin flip between Motown dynamic and. And a yes, indeed, on who he wanted to make favorite. And I, I think the boards could tell you which, whichever one. Because the Motown dynamic, that it's not a great pedigree either. I mean, no. the dad, I think, was a, was a claimer that won maybe four times. Um, this might be her first, first full, too, out of Motown. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not really screaming, bet me, bet me, um, first time out. So the fact that these two, uh, I think he, he, the 850 price tag probably convinced Mike to make 1-5 to 2 and one one seven to 2. One three to one, one seven to two, but um, there's not much else in there. I mean, the ones that have won, the ones that have run, you're really not impressed with. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, the thing about it is Greg Foley, he's been heating up too. That I've watched that one the other day. This Harbor Springs yeah. um, is supposed to be pretty decent, but I, I'm not a big fan of Phillies on the rail first time out, and then with mm-hmm. that speed right to the inside, you know, Motai. I, I mean, I, I figure Motai dynamics going to go so. Harbor Springs is going to get shuffled back some, and I, he, she might be talented, but I, I have a hard Maybe time. Maybe next time for that yeah, one. Yeah. That's one me you may want to tab. Um, that northern, that, that damn northern Michigan ran here in Kentucky, and the Donemeyers, one of the Donemeyers have uh, some of these horses. You always got to watch the Donemeyer horses. But that northern Michigan was a nice little horse that ran around here. So, And I see that 47 work buried about seven seven back. So maybe that one comes with the late run to bust up these exotics behind uh, – Behind these top two, what do you think? Maybe I could see that happening. I could see her getting into it, getting involved late, getting involved. Yeah. Late. Another one with some speed on the outside. Just to mention real quick, just believe her, because I bet on mm-hmm. her last time, and I thought there was no way the Sean Parker was. I mean, I don't know what happened. The horse, I would, I don't see, I don't want to say she fell apart, but I was like, all right, Deshaun, I mean, dude, you're killing me, man. Like, <laughs> you got to keep the horse together better than you just did, and and I, I wasn't. I'm not surprised that he rode this horse twice, and now Mitchell Morrell, Mitchell Morrell's on him, on her. So that that to me, I moved I moved her up a little bit off of that. They bet this horse that day, and, and so did I. Um, two horses I think have come back out of there to run third. 
next time out. She's got speed. I I thought she was gone that day. I, it was in the slop and it was playing. It was playing kind of a speedy track, and I was like, man, this looks like a gimme. And this sucker didn't even hit the board. I mean, just <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> when they passed us, I said, Jesus, this didn't even run third. But I, I kind of made I made a mark that you know she's she's probably going to win sometime this meet. I didn't know they'd run her back you know right away on a big day like today, but um, you know I think she, she's she's gonna be a better price. Yeah, she'll be a good price and new jockey probably goes to the front uh, or at least be part of that speed. Now she's got an outside draw, so you know maybe she sets a good trip and then Mitchell Murrell can can get the money here. So six to one probably would be a little higher price than that, depending how they bet these first time starters. So she's one to maybe look keep an eye out on. Cool. Definitely. I thought I thought you made a really good point earlier with the money, the morning lines too. With uh, Mikey D being both the clocker and the morning line maker, I think he's especially good at tabbing these these first time starters. And just to see the the Asmussen horse and the the Sharita Vo horse so much lower on the morning lines than the Brad Cox first in here, I thought that was pretty telling in here. Yeah, and I didn't have um, I didn't have much on that one. I, we I don't we really think we were to talk about her. Um, yeah, I, there's nothing really to go on, to be honest with you. I mean, she's been here. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. She hasn't been here. That's why. That's why we didn't talk about her. She hadn't trained yeah. her. Yep. So he, he don't know. Like, he hadn't seen her. So, I mean, I think <laughs> a complete guess. I was wondering why, too. I'm like, that's weird. you know. But, yeah, that's why, because she hadn't been here. Yep, yep, been in Kentucky the whole time. So, yep. yeah, that's kind of the wild card in here, too, I guess, because, I mean, that would also be a – that'd be rough if, you know, Brad Cox on a big day, first-time starter, goes and pays – Twelve, fourteen dollars in the last, you know, in the middle of the card there, and mm-hmm. you kicking yep. yourself for sure if that happens and you don't have that one. Yep, yep. All right, guys. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? I think we've pretty much covered all of them here. Looking forward to my turf. You know, I'm a turfway guy, right? And uh, I think they just while we were talking, they canceled halfway through tonight's card. Oh um, man, that Friday and Saturday are canceled. I think Oakland's canceled on Saturday. The whole nation, HR nation, going to be watching New Orleans this week, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah, they're going to be on New Orleans. Man, glad I'm not on with Joey King and Kilroy. It's too much pressure. Too much pressure. <laughs> the money's going to be kind of rolling in. You do a great job on there, Chad. Yeah, you Thanks, guys are great. Thanks. You guys really do good. I mean, I mean yeah. we we say it all the time, but you guys, the whole crew down there, just just wonderful. Just do a great job. So Yeah, I mean, Joey King and Kilroy, I mean, um, Kilroy's come a long way, man. That's my boy. Uh, I'm happy to see him enjoying life and, uh, and getting a crack at these horses. He's really acclimated himself down here to be part of the fabric of the fairgrounds now. And, uh, you know, you see guys, you know, kids and stuff, you know, talking to him and he's so good with the fans and the crowd and, um, just a, just a cool guy to be around, man. Gives off a, gives off a good vibe every time you're around him and he never has a bad day. And like you say, he's around horses every day. It's not a bad day, right? So, um, now, you know, those guys do a good job and, and uh, hopefully, you know, we get some winners on Saturday. All right, cool. Well, we thank you for joining us, Chad. I know, especially for the inaugural version of the spinoff of the Auxiliary Gate, known as the Beard Course, you should be honored. You got that <laughs> guest star. <laughs> guest star on our version of uh, the Facts of Life. I love the Beard Course. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we thought it was clever. <laughs> no, guys, I, I enjoyed it anytime. Awesome, right, appreciate it, Chad. All right, Jeff. Man. Well, that was awesome. Chad was a was a great guest, and he's just a wealth of information, isn't he? Alan? He's the uh, I mean, he's got that great Cajun voice, doesn't he? I mean, uh, right. I just felt I just felt the gumbo dripping through there. I just felt the etouffee coming through. Uh, but he's a he's a he's a 
Louisiana born and bred, knows the fairgrounds very well, and a ton of information, ton of inside information to which I know everybody likes, right? He is, yeah, and he's he's even nicer in person. I did get the the pleasure of meeting him when I was down there in New Orleans last year, and I'm excited to to hang out with him a little bit more when I get down there again this year. But man, that was, yeah, it was fun, and it's a so that was a great it's a great card on Saturday. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun with with my with my with my tried and true turfway canceled. I guess I'm gonna have to throw a couple dollars uh, down Nolan's way, right? Especially with all this extra info that I got. So, That's right. I mean, they're going to be the show with uh, with Oakland canceled and uh, and Turfway canceled. So all eyes will be on New Orleans for sure. And speaking of the show, your first spinoff, you've just like I say, you got your your facts of life from your different strokes. You got your your actor mash from your mash, your Frazier from your Cheers. Uh, how did it feel having your first spinoff? <laughs> I thought I thought it went very well. I enjoyed it. I mean, I can't wait to get into the next one. For sure. I mean, we'll do this, uh, you know, hopefully pretty regularly. But, um, I mean, yeah, I think it was a great first episode of the Beard Course. Just want to say thank you to you, Alan. Uh, thank you to our special guest, Chad Shexnader. Uh, thank you to our producer behind the scenes as well. He will remain nameless, but I'm sure you guys can guess who that is. But, it ain't um, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but, yeah, I just appreciate it, Alan, and, uh, and we'll do it again soon. All right. Sounds good, my man. I appreciate it. Good night, everybody.